Hi, and welcome to the Chats with Leaders podcast, a podcast for modern leaders who want to make courageous moves, push the boundaries, and find that sweet spot between ambition and life. Now, let's face it, modern leadership is a roller coaster regardless of experience level, and this podcast is a breath of fresh air, pulling you out of the busy day-to-day, sharing insights and stories from leaders across the globe to inspire you, empower you, and yes, entertain Now, I'm Jane Fennick, a leadership coach who's worked with thousands of people over the years and your podcast host, and I'm just so excited to have you join me. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast episode, wherever you are in the world. Actually, I always love to hear from people. So, you know, if you're listening, you know, please make sure to reach out to me and let me know that you're listening and where you are and what resonates from this podcast interview. As I look out, I'm in Edinburgh, Scotland, blue skies spring flowers, a sense of optimism that our uh, six-month Scottish winter may be over soon. But anyway, jumping on today to just introduce an absolutely incredible interview with Agata Bloswick. She's global head of ClinOps, responsible for over 1,500 people working for a huge global company, LabCorp. Oh, but just so many insights in here on how to you know, reverse engineer your career, how to really break ceilings, break stereotypes, how to connect with people through the power of authenticity, you know, why you don't have to be the shiniest, boldest, loudest of leaders to be impactful, you know, and actually how to accelerate your career using the power of creativity. Oh, there's just so much goodness in here, and I'm excited to be bringing this to you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, Agatha. I'm so excited to have. Do you know when I looked at my calendar this morning and saw that we were doing the podcast? I was so excited. This has been a long time coming. <laughs> I have a whole list of like, oh, I'm going to tell that to Jen. So I have a whole list. I was very excited too. Oh, so before we even get jump in, because you've had the most incredible career and you've just started an incredible new role. How was Antarctica? It was amazing. It was, there was no time in there, as in like the day and night were the same, because Mm -hmm. we were there in the middle of the summer, so obviously Antarctic summer, and we were basically there floating through the space of ice and snow and penguins, so absolutely amazing vacation. What was the highlight? No, no reception. (laughs) There was internet, but I logged out of all of my apps on my phone phone so mm-hmm. I had no reception of cell phone it was amazing but the real highlights were the penguins oh amazing oh no and just and I think we've just been speaking before we jumped on and about just how you know we've been connected for some time and I love that you actually listened to the podcast back in 2019 and now here you are but there's just such there's such well I feel such a strong connection because so many of our values I think are aligned you know this injecting fun a sense of adventure you know being ambitious and creative um so I'm just I'm so excited to see where this goes but first of all congratulations on your new role you've just stepped up to yeah global head of ClinOps at LabCorp is that woof my goodness have you celebrated I have yes we celebrate I've had a chance to meet my leadership team last week so we have built some personal connections and we're like energized to get going very exciting job amazing and so tell me you know well I guess to this point you know I mean this you know global head of ClinOps and you're responsible overall for is it 1500 people did you say yes I mean what's the story how did you you know because you're sat in 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 Poland at the moment you know but you're the global head of ClinOps which is an incredible incredible role you know how did that whole story evolve Oh, do you want me to start like all the way back? Oh, all the way. So all the way back was I was studying chemistry 
in a university. And I was absolutely sure I'm going to be this great drug developer in the lab and I'm going to make a difference. And then I took a great summer internship in a German cancer research center. And I went there for two months, biggest dream of my life. And after two weeks, I was like, oh my goodness, I am not going to be a good chemist. I hate this job. And that was an eye opener because I was third year into university and I had no idea what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. So from that moment on, I had to be creative and figure out how I'm going to take my degree, my chemistry degree, my background in the lab, my passion for developing medicine into something else. And I needed to basically abandon all the dreams of being a bench chemist. Mm -hmm. So that's how, you know, I started looking for other paths. Somebody said, hmm, a CRA job might be for you. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing that. And about two years in, I said, this is not for me. I'm like more in the the best part of CRA job was talking to the investigators and building those connections and those relationships, not really the data, not really the day to day. And then I decided I'm going to move into project management. I've done that in multiple companies for a while, project managed from small studies to large studies, then overseen portfolios. And then I figured, okay, well, what's my next step? And that's how I started looking for very creative ways to get where I am today, which is managing large organizations and making an impact. I love that. And I just, yeah, I do. I speak to so many people about just like opening their minds up to possibilities and being creative because I think it's even more important as you progress your career because, you know, I mean, the perceived opportunities or, you know, as leaders, you know, become it narrows, let's face it, you know, there's fewer perceived opportunities. So you have to get a bit more creative in how you create those yourself or at least position yourselves for those. That's true. And one of the things that I that I have done at some point is I was responsible for for China, for overseeing and developing people in China, all the way from Poland, because it was at the week I was supposed to relocate, then COVID started, so nothing really happened, but I still continued with that with that role. And then COVID started presenting opportunities, right? And the first RFPs proposals that were coming in for COVID were from China. So that's how I saw them because I was overseeing that. And I was the one to raise the hand and said, we got to do something about it. Because if we start responding and saying, you know, it's going to be six months startup and we're going to start just COVID trial in 12 months, nobody's going to accept that, right? Because it was a health emergency. So sometimes it's it's sheer luck and sometimes it's seeing the opportunity where where nobody sees it yet and being the first one to actually raise your hand and say, I want to do this job. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a job. It wasn't a title. I kind of it was brave enough to ask for it. Mm-hmm. And then I was, you know, in that fun, fantastic environment in which my leadership said, take it, it's yours, right? No, it's nobody else's, so you can do this and, and, and you can do something meaningful. And that's probably where my um, where my progression started because suddenly I felt like, okay, if I only ask, if I raise my hand, the job may not be there, I may create for myself and that's basically been my story since 2019 yeah if you don't ask you know actually yeah but isn't that interesting you know what do you think holds people back from raising their hand or for asking for opportunities I think it's first of all the career paths that exist they see you know they see what their colleagues their peers have been doing and they think they need to copy that because there isn't um, any other way maybe the corporate culture that says well you have to x before you do y and maybe they just simply don't know because they lack the role models Uh, and if you don't see you can't be what you can't see so if you don't see somebody that did that how 
do you know that you can actually do this? So we all need the role models in our life who have been able to do all the things and they came on the other side successful or unsuccessful, but with lessons like, right? Mm-hmm. I always say you 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 win or you learn. And uh, yeah, no, you don't put yourself out there, you don't know any of those. Yeah, and I think it is absolutely, I totally agree. I think people, yeah, if we don't have the role models, we haven't seen anyone else do it, then it's like, well, can we do it? And I think it's just that you have an opportunity to be the first and, you know, and that takes courage, you know, actually when you are, embarking on maybe being doing something for the first time it does take courage doesn't it to just you know be bold and raise your hand it does and I do feel that being you know in my role today being based in Poland being Polish being you know English being my second language and going through all of the preconceptions people have about Poland in my industry it's a place to have good recruitment relatively low cost center for having some kind of outsourced jobs a lot of people see Polish leaders as only responsible for that part of the business, right? And and it's it's kind of a stereotype that yeah. I wanted to break out of, right? I wanted to be a global leader who happens to be based in Poland, just like there are global leaders who happen to be based in UK or in Germany or in the US. So that has been kind of my my goal to break out of that and also role model that for others. And I do get a lot of encouragement from from the teams that I that I lead or from peers or from people even from outside my company who sometimes send me a message saying thank you you know because you have done this now I believe I don't have to end my career aspirations at the level that I am at because that means people like me being based in Poland, Romania, Bulgaria, India, Singapore can actually aspire to global roles. Do you know, and I love that because I think, yeah, and we are just dealing, you know, everywhere there's different stereotypes and preconceptions of what can be done and not be done and things. But I love how, you know, the story that you told yourself was, of course I can, you know, I, I am a global leader who's based in Poland, you know, I can be that, you know. So it's that, how important that internal story is first before we then project and change that perception. But how did you go about doing that, you know? Obviously quite, you know, we work in quite often traditional <laughs> in many ways. How did you go about kind of changing that perception and positioning yourself? There was a moment in which I realized the fact that we work remotely. My industry has been remote for as long as I remember, right? We COVID really didn't change much for us, except for maybe they made us turn the cameras on. Before COVID, we always worked from home. I've been working from home since 2010, so almost 13 years by now, right? And that was the moment when I realized that wait a minute, I can actually do my job very well from wherever I am. I don't actually have to relocate anywhere. So how far can I go? And then I started stalking various people on LinkedIn to say, here's a here's a person, they are a director and they are based out of Paris and they are a director in a global company. So how do they do this? And, and I basically started doing that as a hobby. So if you see me checking out your profile that means there's something in it that that (laughs) interests me and I just wanted to see your journey and so I started doing that and I realized okay well there really isn't a ceiling that I couldn't break yes I maybe was the first one from Poland in many ways but there were other people who did that from other places yes our journey was different yes maybe they had a different background maybe they had different first core languages for instance that they learned Maybe the start, there's always an excuse, right? Why I couldn't follow that. But I said, I'm going to give it a try. And I'm based where I am. People don't see that I'm 
short and I have red curly hair and that I'm not this big imposing leader because I could hide behind the phone, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have to actually be in the room and that probably helped to give me a few inches of my my self-confidence. But gradually I, I realized actually it doesn't matter where I am located and it doesn't matter how tall I am. And it doesn't matter that, you know, English is not my first language because it isn't for many people and we have to just embrace that. And that brings diversity to the team. So I have basically flipped that around. The other thing that happened is at some point I was talking to a fabulous leader who is leading a big NGO organization in Europe. And she told me that when they are on the video calls, the only thing she can think about, she actually puts a, a post-it note on her self-image because the only thing she can think of is, oh my goodness, I'm fat. I'm not as attractive as others. I look X, Y, and Z. And she said that this is really bothering her. So she liked the time before camera. And then I realized how much of our brain powers mm-hmm. occupied by those self-ideas, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. self-image and how it's actually holding us back. If she can still be that awesome while half of her memory and half of her CPU is occupied by all of that self-doubt, if only she can forget about it, how much more awesomer she would be. So gradually talking to people and realizing a lot of people have that thing called imposter syndrome. A lot of people have those ideas about themselves and they will always give you a list of why maybe they couldn't be there. No matter how high they are in the organization and whichever size of organization they are we all feel that and maybe that's just okay to be open about and vulnerable about it and role model that for others that you can be that despite feeling all this oh you know I just love everything about what you've just said because you know again I speak to leaders of all levels you know from first-time manager leader to all the way through to first-time CEO and everything in between and we all have stuff you know, like we all have, you know, we all have old stories that aren't helping us anymore. We have kind of doubts and fears and anxieties, but we, the one thing we're not very good at is actually just sharing that, you know, and, you know, and it, it doesn't have to be stand in front of the whole organization and tell them, but, you know, just even talking to your peers or your support crew, actually, it's quite powerful. And, you know, and the fact that actually we all have the stuff, but actually what needs to be parked, <laughs> what is holding us back? And a lot of that is, you know, this, how important the story that we tell ourselves is a positive one. Because if we don't, if we don't believe it, uh, and we don't believe it's possible or that we can find a way, then how can we get anyone else on board? Exactly. And then one thing that I heard at some point is, in order to be effective leader, you don't have to be the shiniest one, the biggest one, the the most flawless one. You have to be the one that connects with people most. And what connects with people is your true personality. And if you have an interesting personality, it's going to connect with people. And so just sharing that, bringing yourself to work and bringing your personality to work and and your story with you, I think that's that's kind of has been my mantra that I keep repeating. And that's why my LinkedIn has all the way, all the way to that first internship that I did a long time ago, so that people can see the journey and they can connect and they can ask questions. And I always am open to some kind of career mentoring in that field. And I encourage people to do the same. I stalk people on LinkedIn. Please stalk people on LinkedIn. Look for your journey and find what your next step is. Absolutely. And I love what we were talking about when you started listening to, to my podcast back in, when it first launched back in the day and actually then look, looked at listening to the, the stories of leaders, then looked at their LinkedIn profiles to see how they, you know, how they navigated big pivotal career moments and things and looked at that 
how that happened and the tech took inspiration for them. It's absolutely, it's looking, yeah, it's, it's so inspiring to see how people, because not, especially when people have bought, carved their own path or it's not just been you know, a traditional career ladder, it's important to be looking for those people and those, those, those stories. And you always have to have something that, you know, your core values are represented. So I we've all had parts of our job that we don't really like. Not because of we don't our values are not represented, but because we can't really bring the, the the one thing that we wanted to do to this particular job. And what I found what I was doing is I always found a side gig, whether it was volunteering, whether that was career mentoring, whether that was teaching. When I felt that my need for fulfillment wasn't exactly in the job, because let's be honest, not every job is going to be 100% what you dream about. Mm-hmm. Find that side gig that will help you grow those muscles and those fulfillment, find those fulfillment that you are not able to find it at work. So I've done also a lot of that through my years. And for instance, starting a volunteering organization uh, locally in my city has somehow grew into a, a larger nonprofit organization and allowed me to be on multiple TV outlets or, or newspapers and interviews. And something I would never be able to do at my day job because I wasn't in those exposed positions, but I got that exposure and interest and, you know, kind of like that. I, I can do this, right? And I think there's always that something that you can find somewhere else that will help you eventually move to that next level, which again, people don't always disclose. They don't always talk about it. And I that's why I, I try to tell people your life is not just work, right? Make sure that your life, you find those outlets to fulfillment um, in other places as well. Absolutely. And I think we, we have so much more power to drive those things forward than we think, you know, because I, I speak to so many leaders around kind of their, looking at their career strategies. And I say career strategies, but it's career life, you know, and actually, you know, and, and, and so often, you know, it's like, as you say, you know, what are your interests? What do you what you know what are you passionate about you know and you might not be able to get that in your day job you know actually probably won't be able to get what everything in your day job you know but how do you inject more of that into life and you just never know where it might lead you know and I think sometimes we like to know we don't necessarily like uncertainty you know and uh, and so sometimes even just getting started or putting ourselves out there without knowing where it's going to go can feel uncomfortable but I, I love that I feel like that's the adventurous, <laughs> the adventurous. And, and I'm very risk averse when it comes to big life decisions. So don't get me wrong. I'm not reckless in any of that. Right. But, but I do feel like we need to ask ourselves, is that a little bit more, more questions? Like, is that bringing me joy? If it's not bringing me joy, what part of the job does bring me joy? And how can I do more of that versus there, there might be parts of the job you don't like, but somebody else might like. So can we design the role for you that's that you will do 90% of the things that you love and 10% of what you don't love instead of the other way around? Mm-hmm. And and that's okay if, if it means you're not moving up for a while. If you can find fulfillment and find something mm-hmm. that you're really, really good at, maybe there's going to be another opportunity that you can move up. And that has been basically my story between 2019 and 2021 is I've had multiple sideline jobs they weren't upwards they were same level no career progression in like a traditional sense but they gave me the view of I love that I don't love that and then I had to sit and think about what I love about this job what I absolutely don't like about Mm -hmm. that job so that I can move into the role that I that I loved for the last one and a half years which is 
leading a, a big organization, and now I, I have a some somewhat different one, but it's quite similar to to really bringing, you know, the joy to the work every day. And that's it. I think I do often think we're kind of fixated on you know progress, you know, that next promotion. But I think you know taking your leadership to the next level can be about expansion. You know, actually, how are you expanding as as a leader and you know and growing? And it doesn't need to be that you know that upward move right away. And actually, I think sometimes that can get in the way. Like when we focus on what the next level is in a traditional sense of being promoted, it can get in the way of you know incredible opportunities. That is true. And I always keep keep uh, encouraging people to try to take a different seat. And, you know, coming from one side of the organization to another, now I see the things that I thought the, the job that I'm doing today uh, is going to be are completely different, right? So I had a list before I joined this new role. I had a list of 10 things I should focus on when I get here. Mm-hmm. I'm three months into my new job. Those 10 things are definitely not the top 10 things I need to focus on. And I think... Just that that switch around the organization, not just going up, but actually having a broader perspective really gives a, a better insight in in yourself, in your growth, in your assumptions, your challenges. So why did I think that? Mm-hmm. Is that something that I was looking for shortcuts? If it was so easy, do I really think somebody else has, wouldn't have thought about it before and so on? And I think just being able to go around the organization and go around various roles, not just up really gives you that perspective that we sometimes desperately need and also leadership is a journey right so it's not about the destination yes the destination comes with titles and probably salary increasing is always nice but you're a well-rounded leader when you actually have been well-rounded first yeah, I love that. No, it's really interesting. We talk about, you know, again, you know, you've just started this new leadership role and I, you, well, you know, I love talking to, well, I, I work with leaders who's transitioning into new roles. So that kind of tricky, challenging, awesome, as you said, fun <laughs> the first few months. You know, tell me, what are your kind of tips, you know, around, you know, how to approach those first 90 days to say? discovery phase allow yourself for a discovery phase Mm -hmm. so as i said i came with a list of 10 things and they all within the first three weeks turned out to be not the first moves i should make so Mm -hmm. allow yourself for asking questions and Mm -hmm. and then when you get answers you ask more questions and then more questions and then more questions and it's not only to familiarize yourself Mm -hmm. but also get your team the same wavelength as you are. So I I have inherited a team that's been together for a very long time. They have all been well set in their role, which is amazing because they now allow me to, you know, use their experience, but they've been thinking in one way because they had different experience. So me coming in and asking completely new questions because I'm not pretending I know everything. So I ask a lot of questions. They say, that's an interesting question. I haven't thought about it before. Right. And, And that allows them for the discovery as well. So get on the discovery journey mm-hmm. and allow yourself to ask and mm-hmm. be vulnerable and say, well, I have no idea. You come to, for, to me for answers, I have more questions instead. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome advice. And I definitely think, because I think you know, you only get this one opportunity to be new, you know, first in the door, you know, make, a, you know, make your first impression, but also to really ask those questions, you know, to ask them now. But it's interesting because I, I do see quite often, you know, leaders earlier in their leadership journey who start a new leadership role and they maybe they're not feeling 100% confident and, and they do want to go in and straight away prove themselves, add value, have all the answers. They don't like to show that vulnerability 
and start and ask questions early, which is really interesting because I do think it comes with experience and confidence. Is hey, I don't know everything, and I want to know more before jumping into the <laughs> making bold action or making <laughs> making change. And I think that also comes from that I'm not a subject matter expert in the field that I'm now a leader of. And yeah. I don't have to be, right? To lead people, really? you don't actually have to be. And if you are a subject matter expert, that may mean people may be afraid to tell you you're wrong with your assumptions because I'm coming in without that past experience in that specific field. Mm-hmm. I don't think I know best. And I think I trust that my, my team knows best. And if they don't know it yet, that they know it, we're going to come to this, right? And we're going to come through the discovery question and we're going to come up with the ways we're going to get to the strategy we have put together. But don't get me wrong, the quick wins are needed, right? So you need to prove yourself very quickly. So there are some things we were able to identify already within those first few weeks that we're going to tackle first. And that's going to help us to build that momentum of good things are coming. This is what we've done and build ourselves up as a team that... We can accomplish quick things, but also in for the long, long game. And we play the long game here. And it's that story, isn't it? The story that you're telling about the the new vision or the transformation of the change is actually being able to have some of those you know, quick wins or the things, you know, and getting people bought and engaged and on that journey together. Yeah, absolutely. But no, I love that. So, so tell me, okay, so we've looked at kind of your career points, you know, we've looked at kind of transitions, you know, what are the things that you, you feel like leaders are really well challenged with these days? You know, we've got virtual working. I mean, I feel like modern leadership is, you know, is, is complex in so many ways. What do you think are kind of the key challenges leaders are facing right now? I think there's there's a few things. One of them is we all work remotely or most of us work remotely. So how do you empower people and not micromanage them? First time leaders definitely have that problem. We want to manage to metrics and we want to have, a, I always compare that to like a air traffic controllers. We want to have all the screens in front of us so that we see what our people are delivering. And, and if only we have all the metrics in the world, we would be able to know that they're doing what they need to be doing. Mm-hmm. So instead, I'm always telling, step away from your control panel and start asking questions. And that's how you will know. If somebody, if you ask a question and somebody comes back with an answer, well, I don't know, that means they probably don't know. No metric will show you that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So measuring the results, sometimes you you measure the wrong things and you only get to the bottom of it if you start talking. So have those those conversations rather than try to manage via metrics and manage via numbers. But yes, also I, I do use data very often in the discussion because you can't be angry at data. Data is not biased, right? The numbers are what they are. So sometimes they are a good way to start the conversation, but they are always the bad way to end the conversation. So you can you can use them as a guide. You can use them as comparison. You can use them as a benchmark, but ask more questions. And I think that that's through those conversations and empowerment and trust and making sure that people know you trust them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's going to be where you're going to get. And and. It's tough because we work from from home, right? Mm-hmm. We don't see each other. Mm-hmm. We don't see how many hours people type on their computer. How is the mouse moving often enough? Are they orange because you know on their on their teams mm-hmm. because they, they have gone for a coffee or have they gone for lunch? And I say if they gone for lunch or they gone gone shopping, that, that's great because I believe they're going to deliver the work. And people mostly really want to do good, right? Mm-hmm. And people know when they deliver a subpar 
work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with my with my leadership team, we would we would deliver some piece of work. We would present somewhere at one of the teleconferences, and then I wouldn't give them feedback. I would just say, "So, how did you feel about what we've delivered?" And they would be all, very often. They would say, "That was a bare minimum," and I'm like, "Can we do better?" Well, yeah, we can, right? And people knew. I didn't have to tell them. You did it. Not yeah. a great job. No, there's no surprises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so if you empower them to feel this and you tell them that you see and you tell them we can do better, come on. You know, yeah, you believe in them, you trust them. Yeah, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably the biggest challenge is you don't want to force people into this. You want them to feel comfortable and safe enough in the space to do better and do well while maintaining some kind of a work-life balance. So I think all of that is is probably the biggest challenge, how we do this, because the work creeps into our evenings, work creeps into our weekends. So how do you make sure people have their time mm-hmm. with their family, refresh, but also deliver what you want them to deliver um, in the best possible way? Absolutely. Do you know, I mean, I love, I just think we need to clone you because I think we need we we need more <laughs> we we need more Agata leading an organization. It's just so refreshing to hear everything you say because but I think how do you create kind of spaciousness in in your working work and life to be the best leader? Because so much of what you're saying is is awesome. So you can be the best for your people. But how do you create that kind of spaciousness so you're at your best? Well, there are days that I'm not at my best. And I'm open <laughs> to say that as well, right? So I would say this was not my best week. I need to take a take a rest. And I did have a week like that last year. And I and I after that week I came back and I said, I'm I'm sorry, it was a bad week. And I know I probably brought some of my negative emotions into your team. And I apologize. I shouldn't have, right? I should have. Mm-hmm. And they said, No, the fact that you came and told us you're not a hundred percent was vulnerable. We respect that. We felt it's our job to step up. And then you actually took the time off and that role modeled it for us. The next time when we don't feel a hundred percent, you know, we can break. I think that was probably one of the hardest discussion that we've had. I consulted with my leadership friendship group that we can kind of be vulnerable and say, well, what should I do? I have this conundrum as a leader. I don't know how to show up. I'm a little bit embarrassed because it wasn't my best performance in that week. How do I go about it? And they said, just be transparent. Just go and, and tell that to them. They will understand. And I was the, the response that I got was amazing. And I know that they stepped up and I know that they have delivered. And I, I couldn't be prouder of them. But I know that next time it happens to them, they're going to be equally vulnerable and they're going to step up because they have presented the same type of culture downwards, right? So if that kind of style penetrates the layers, we all show up as better people, but also know to take a rest. Now I know to take a rest before I get to mm-hmm. that place, yeah. right? So, mm-hmm. so that's another thing that I'm trying to, to role model is not answer emails at 10 p.m., not yeah. answer emails at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. I have actually muted my teams. I still get the messages, but I'm not tempted to answer them at 10 p.m. Yeah. I work on a global team, right? I get messages from 3 o'clock in the morning to 11 p.m., and I could be working all day. But if I want to make sure that my teams don't burn out, I need to make sure I don't burn out and I don't show that I'm expecting them to do all of that. So we have those conversations, right? When I see somebody working late, I say, I understand now you have that deliverable. You need to do this after you're done with this. 
please take time off. Please take your weekend longer. Please make sure that you are not on. And if I see they persistently do that, I would actually ping them and say, I see you're on. I see you're on. (laughs) Remember that chat we had? (laughs) Yeah, no. But I love when when I was talking to you, when I asked the question about you, making sure that the spaciousness for you to be at your best, I love how you kind of took it to the fact that that's great, but it's also okay to have those moments when we're not at our best, but knowing how to kind of bounce back from that, but being also open and vulnerable about that with others, because we, we don't want to be giving this perception of perfection or that, you know, that everything's always okay, because that's not real life, is it? You know, so. It's not, don't get me wrong. Like this is vulnerable right now, right? I'm coming to you to tell you this. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe some people will look at that and say, hmm, is she, is she lacking some, you know, gravitas or is she lacking executive presence by saying that? But I, I do feel, again, coming as a, as a whole self to work and, and showing up as a leader, as a human being at the end of the day, you know, mm-hmm. with your dog and your messy kids and, and you know, sometimes not camera ready to the call at mm-hmm. seven o'clock in the morning. I'm here. I'm going to give my whole, whole what I have for you today, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm just... Maybe not a hundred percent, and uh, and I think that that's that's just life, right? We, mm-hmm. I love my job, but there are some days that I just need a little bit of rest, and I think it's it's fine as well. But I think, and this is the reason again why I brought the podcast back, because I want to show the real people behind the big job titles, you know, because actually, who do I, you know, I think about who inspires me. You know, every, your story inspires me. What you're saying inspires me. I think, gosh, you know, I'd love to you know, have worked for, you know, a leader like you in, you know, in my career, you know, I think because I'm connected to you as a person, I think, you know, and actually what, how do you get the best out of others? You know, again, it's kind of, as you say, you know, empowering them, you know, installing that trust, you know, connecting to one another. And I think there's something so powerful about when we are courageous to be more vulnerable, it is uncomfortable. So I just can even remember the moment I started and you then start to realise how supported you actually are. You know, like, I don't know whether you found that, but... I and how people respond to this, right? So mm-hmm. this is another thing that I've been hearing being in Poland with the background that I have, being mm-hmm. born in the communist Poland before the 1989. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that come to me and say, and, and they come from not just my region, right? They say, I know I can share this with you because I know you will understand. Right. And whether that is somebody from Hungary or Bulgaria, they feel that historical context connection that we share as countries in that Eastern Bloc, you know, behind the Iron Curtain. We somehow naturally have that history of growing up under certain system. I've got people from China come to me and say, I know you will understand this because you grew up where you grew up and, and we know it's easier for you to understand something. I've had people from Latin America who came and said, you share so much with us. And I don't even didn't even think about it, right? But we share, you know, a lot of cultural, religious as a country perception, right? The, the context we live in. And so they would they would understand certain things. And I think that this is also so powerful to find that connection that what makes a person is not just that their their you know education or the title, but also the story of how we grow up, what experiences we've had. And this is why I'm, I'm a big believer in diversity in, in like very broad sense. Well, having a, a leadership team that comes from various corners of the world, they grew up in different systems and they, they grew up with various experiences. And you have no idea what what they bring into your table until you actually start 
actively asking for it. So I'm that's another piece that that I find fascinating and the different backgrounds and what kind of experiences and connections between people they bring. I love it. No, so yeah, and actually, it's so much of this is yeah, role modeling. Obviously, you know your your aspirations of what you want to create, but we've spoken about you know role modeling and actually the behaviors you want to role model. And I think it's such a powerful question for leaders to ask themselves: is you know who am I as a role model? You know, <laughs> some some leaders aren't even aware that they are role models, but you know we are whether we want know it, like it or not. But you know what behaviors do I want to role model how do I want people to see me as a role model as such a powerful question because it really does change the way we show up and it's a very powerful exercise to do and ask people to describe your brand Mm. Ah. so to have others give you the feedback what do you think my brand is Mm. and to listen to what they say sometimes you're going to get the first round of I do not want that to be my brand right then you need to actively work and asking yourself so what brand do i want to have how do i want to show up how do i want to be perceived how do i want to be seen Mm. Um, and it's it's a lot of work to potentially change that but i think this is a very powerful exercise that a lot of people don't ask themselves or are afraid to ask right but that's that feedback that you get this is how people perceive you it is kind of a, a difficult one because the one thing that I've been wondering about, if you grow up in a company for many years, right? Mm-hmm. Some people have 15 years of career spanning through the organization. There might be people that perceive you as baby Agatha, right? They remember you from five, seven, 10, 15 yeah. years ago, mm-hmm. and they still see you as, as the person they hired. And of course you have grown since then. So there's a danger to this, right? Because the brand that you have is maybe the brand that they remember you but also you need to actively work on changing that, that perception. Yeah, I've had that experience once when somebody gave me feedback that, you know, it probably is not a role for me, but they remembered me from several years ago and we haven't had that much in common since then, mm-hmm. which suggested to me, okay, well, I need to be a little bit more strategic in my stakeholder mm-hmm. management and my networking around the organization and externally because people remember me from, five, ten years ago. And sometimes we switch companies and people remember you from the previous company. They might have an emotion related to you, but they still remember you as baby Agatha, how I call it, right? <laughs> and then I have grown since then, right? And so stop pinching my cheeks and say, there, there, good maybe, job. Maybe right? not in height. I don't, well, I don't know about you, but I stopped growing at about 10. I'm five foot three and three quarters. But, you know, like, because <laughs> the three quarters is really important. But I didn't know, I totally resonate with that because I think, well, you and I both were at Quintiles and I left Quintiles to go off and do different things. And then I actually came back from a second round and I came back and I was came in at a level where a lot of people I knew hadn't necessarily progressed much so you know so there was, that was quite uncomfortable because people were like what's she doing in here what's she doing here in that level and what you know and I was like oh but people saw me as you know that you know Jen launching her career in those early days they didn't know about you know what I'd been and done and all the experience I've gained so it really was almost like a PR exercise I had to really go out and you know, share you know share more about me and change that perception it's but it's first realizing that there is that perception <laughs> you know how do you what are your kind of tips for you know changing perception putting yourself out there more yeah. being visible yeah. being 
you know, networking and having those conversations as what you've been up to. And then you can, you can say what you've been up to and, and just resonating that brand that you want to create for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I know brand sounds, you know, flashy, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, it's, and it's, yeah, the word, we know what it means and that's it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, but I do think it's, it's the power of storytelling. I think we, you know, earlier in our conversation today, we've been talking about the importance of the story we tell ourselves and then, you know, the story that we tell others, you know, because what, what do we want people to know about us? Um, you know, what is the story we're telling others, you know, and that, you know, and then that if we're going to drive any type of change, that's really, really important. <laughs> and actually leaders, the storytellers, it's a, Yes, and this is one thing that I'm going to tell you a story about that. I always had a complex of I'm not going to be an amazing speaker. I'm not going to be a Barack Obama type speaker, right? I'm never going to be because I can't talk well off my cuff. I'm not a native speaker. I don't really have that talent. I don't do this very well. And I always told myself, well, if I cannot be Barack Obama, I I can't be a storyteller, right? It's like zero one. Mm -hmm. And then somebody told me, he was a great coach and he looked at me and said, you don't even look like Barack Obama and you're never going to look like Barack Obama, right? You just have to accept that you're not going to be Barack Obama. And he said, so what's the second person? I said, well, also Martin Luther King is like also not going to look like one, right? And so he said, well, you have to stop trying to be effective talker, speaker in like, you know, with all the brilliant uh, speeches that people remember you have to be one that connects to people Mm -hmm. and maybe your power is in that that you speak in plain english and you use colorful comparisons that people can relate to when they're not native speakers and maybe you can actually address more people in an understandable way because people can understand what you're saying and maybe, maybe that's what makes your you know speeches more efficient and then i said well, that's a good way to look at that. And and that's, I stopped having my Barack Obama complex at that time. But it was really interesting where I felt like, do I need to invest in a speech writing training? Or, or do I really need to have, you know, a storytelling classes and so on? Do I need to have a speech writer hired? <laughs> then I realized, okay, maybe not. Maybe I can just be myself and, and use my the English that I have, right? That I keep working on every day, but the English that I have and the stories that I have that connect with people's okay. imagination in the context that we that we work in. Mm-hmm. I know, but isn't that just sometimes giving ourselves permission to just lean into being more of ourselves, you know? And actually, yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, it's, you just never know who needs to hear your story. You know, like there's other people sharing their stories, but the, you just never know who is watching, just crying out to hear someone like you or, you know, and, and your story. And I did have a lot of people who keep coming back to me and say, well, what you said there was really inspiring. Can we continue the discussion? So there's various career mentorings that I do when I kind of give my story of how I ended where I ended with that started at me, my failed chemistry career. And they say, this this is this resonated with me because I'm also here finishing my postdoc in chemistry. And I realize I hate my job. <laughs> and I need to look for yeah. directions and I needed somebody to give me permission to look for, you know, cut those sunk costs that I already invested 10 years into my chemistry career. And I needed somebody to tell me that's okay to move on from this. And, and that's encouraging me to, to say, okay, well, maybe I'm not a Barack Obama type of speaker, but I can still connect with people and, and 
sometimes there's that one person who heard me and maybe that's more important absolutely. yeah absolutely oh, and you know there's gonna be so many people who listen to this podcast and and each person is going to take something different from what you've just said you know that whatever's meaningful what they needed to hear in that moment oh it's just the magic of why I love doing this. So, but thank you so, so much for joining me today. You know, maybe just parting, you know, parting words, you know, for leaders out there, you know, who may be feeling a little bit stuck or who really want to, you know, open up their possibilities as far as, you know, their, their careers. What are your, what are maybe some tips for them? Well, my tip always was don't try to work on your weaknesses mm-hmm. because working on weaknesses is going to take so much energy out of you without probably much progress so work on your strengths mm-hmm. and design the the next job or your next move based on what your strengths are rather than spending your effort and energy in trying to improve your weaknesses because your weaknesses are what they are mm-hmm. you need to accept them and you need to move on from there accept if you're not a barack obama type speaker that you're not going to be one and work on the things that that you're really good at and, and the magic will happen there Oh, I like and do you know, it's such a thing it's such an important reminder because naturally as humans we we have that kind of negativity bias or that you know that we we focus on what we don't have or the our weaknesses or you know the gaps we broke we obsess over the thing the one element that we don't have but actually just leaning into those strengths that's when we feel good that's when we feel at our best and that's when as you say the magic happens so on that note this has been an absolute joy i knew it was going to be a cracker so thank you so so much and uh, and what i'll do is i'll put in the the show notes uh your linkedin profile a detail so that people can come and uh and, and stalk you and be inspired by your story thank you and i will i will talk you back <laughs> <laughs> amazing Wow, wow, wow. How awesome was that interview? I mean, Agata is just full of, you know, inspiration, creativity, insights. Oh, you know, I was so inspired coming off that interview and I've listened to it a few times since and every time something else jumps out. So I'd love to hear from you. Where are you in your corner of the world listening? What jumped out to you? It just gives me so much joy when people reach out to me to tell me that they are listening. Now also, just a bit of a shout out. If you are listening to this and you are a leader who's looking to take your leadership to the next level this year, or you're embarking on a new career move, you're taking on a new leadership role and you need some support in those first 90 days, I am taking on new leadership coaching clients from March, April this year. So, you know, if you're intrigued and you'd like to find out how you can work with me one-to-one or also I've got some group leadership programs coming up as well, I'd love to chat. So in the show notes, there's an invitation to jump on board and have a virtual coffee with me or drop me a message, LinkedIn or email and let's chat. Anyway, looking forward to having you join me on the next podcast. Cheers.